May I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Last Sunday, some Anglican churches, following the Roman Catholic Church, celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday, remembering that divine mercy offered by Jesus, flowing from his heart into us. And there in the Gospel last week, we heard those words from Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. Those whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Those whose sins you retain, they are retained. Forgiveness from Jesus. Mercy, divine mercy from Jesus. Salvation and redemption from Jesus. But the charge to declare it put on to the apostles and put also onto us. We are called to declare that God forgives. We are called to declare that reconciliation with God is possible through Jesus. Not through any ability of our own, but through Jesus, the only one who can offer forgiveness. No matter what someone has done, no matter where they are from, that possibility of redemption through Jesus is always possible if only they come to receive it. That divine mercy of Jesus. And today, in our reading from Acts of the Apostles, we see this played out in a fairly implausible way, an impossible way, as far as Jesus' followers would have been concerned, because it involves Saul, this man who was persecuting Christians, this man who looked after the coats of those stoning Stephen, one of the early Christians, to death. He was not a nice man, and that's an understatement. If there was anyone for whom the possibility of redemption through Jesus was impossible, surely it must have been him, you can imagine people thinking. And then what happened? Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Saul ended up blinded unable to see until he visited Ananias who laid hands on him, who prayed for him. And think of poor Ananias. He'd heard of Saul, of course he had. He'd heard of all the abuse and persecution of Christians Saul was responsible for. But then Ananias is told by God that Saul will be visiting him. Ananias accepted that call. He prayed for Saul. And it was like scales falling from Saul's eyes. He could see clearly. And immediately he started preaching about Jesus. His life transformed. 
becoming no longer Saul, but Paul. Complete, unexpected, unexplainable transformation. How would you have responded, I wonder, if you were asked by God to minister to someone who was attacking Christians? Here we are. Saul is converted. Saul has his sins forgiven in quite a dramatic way. Pure, unadulterated mercy and forgiveness from Jesus once Saul encounters him. I don't know about you, but there are many times I feel I'm not really good enough. I preach forgiveness, salvation, reconciliation, but accepting that's for me as well can sometimes be a struggle. I hold on to things from the past. I hold on to things that have happened. I hold on to things that have been said to me. I feel I'm not good enough. You know the phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. I suggest to you that phrase is wrong, deeply wrong, and often quite damaging, because what people say to us can leave a lasting effect. We hear things that have been said, we take them in, we internalise them, we believe them forever without ever questioning whether they might be right or wrong. To give but one example, a friend of mine was once told at school that he couldn't sing by one of the teachers. Many years later, in his 60s, he was training for ordination and refused point blank to try singing, to try having a session with the voice coach. He'd been told as a child he could not sing Therefore, he could not sing. Therefore, he would never try because, well, that's what we've been told. That was true. Nothing could change. We hold on to these things from the past. They hold us back. We just can't get free from them, even if we wanted to. We're told we're free from them. We believe it. And then they come back nagging us in the back of the mind again. Working in schools, I so often heard stories about lack of aspiration. I'm from this place. I can never achieve anything because people like me, people like us, people from here, don't achieve anything. We're not worth it. That's what the world tells them over and over again. And they listen to it. They take it on board. They think that's the truth. And it's not. So it is with God's love and forgiveness. People don't believe sometimes they're worthy of being loved by God. They don't believe God could possibly love and forgive someone like me, they say. But it's not the case. We see that in Saul, who became Paul. If he can be forgiven 
and be called to be the apostle to the Gentiles in spite of all that's gone on before. Surely anyone can be forgiven by God and be called to unimaginable things if only they believe and accept Jesus Christ, if only they believe that God loves them and God forgives them, if only they come to Jesus in penitence, if only they, if only we come to that, are able to let go of the things that hold us back from fully embracing that love and forgiveness. It's like a chain holding us back. We want to be free, we want to move forward, but at the same time, that chain's there, it's holding it, we're clinging onto it, or it's clinging onto us. I'm never sure which side it is, but either way, we can't move forward, we're stuck. That chain, we're holding on for dear life. At least it's familiar, even if it's uncomfortable. We need to trust We need to have those chains broken, letting go. That sound system's making funny noises. <laughs> Letting go of what holds us back. Moving forward to what God has planned for us. In today's Gospel reading, we hear Jesus asking Simon Peter three times if he loves him. And we see Simon Peter getting irate at the repeated question. Three times, like the three times of denying Jesus. Jesus' reply changes each time, though. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. There seems to be something there about nurturing others. Feed my lambs. Welcome and show God's love and care to those who have never experienced it, to those who are new to the faith, to those who are uncertain, reaching out to new people. Take care of my sheep. Care for those in the fold. Care for those in the worshipping community. Love and care for each other. Feed my sheep. Nurture those more mature Christians. Support each other as we continue coming to know Jesus more rather than only nurturing those new to the faith. Because we need to be nurtured too, don't we? We need to grow in knowledge and love of God. We need to continue moving closer to Jesus, whether we've been a Christian for five minutes or the whole of our lives. After all, we are all on a journey of coming to know Jesus more. The moment we think we've made it and have nothing more to learn, it's the moment we become complacent and possibly start drifting from the faith or without the support of others, start to dwell more again on our sins which have been forgiven but we still beat ourselves up about. People of God, we need to welcome new followers. Of course we do. But we also need to continue supporting and nurturing those already within the church. 
What else might God have planned for any one of us in the coming weeks, months and years? The idea of something new is scary. It involves change. And often, in my case at least, causes me to question whether I'm really capable of doing something different or whether everyone else is mistaken in thinking I can or what I might have done to disqualify myself from being able to. Maybe that's just me. Possibly not, though. The crazy thing is, of course, we don't minister in our own strength. We minister in God's strength. And God does not call the equipped, but rather equips the called. Nevertheless, we cling to those reasons or excuses why we're not worthy to be loved or called. Which takes me back at the end of this sermon to both Saul and the idea of chains holding us back. May we, like Saul, know that we are forgiven through Jesus' divine mercy and have our eyes opened to God's call, literally like scales falling away from our eyes. And may those chains which hold us back from stepping, stepping forward in response to God's call be broken, cast off and flung far away so that we may be free to follow excitedly what God is calling us to step forward into as individuals and as a church. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.